You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. I was going to tell you, we're going to be giving you all the stuff that we did down in San Diego at the winter meetings. I believe it was pivotal that we were there to cover the meetings and everything going on to show the baseball world what we're doing with A's Cast and A's Cast Live. And we had so many great guests that stopped by. We can't give them all to you, but what we're going to do in the next couple weeks, you're going to be hearing from some of the biggest names in baseball. This one is going to be an all-A's edition, as you're going to hear from the man who runs your franchise. The great Billy Bean is going to join us. Then after Billy, you're going to hear from the guy that handed over the reins to Billy Bean, and that's Sandy Alderson. And then we're going to hear from Marcus Simeon, who joined us down at the winter meetings. And to reflect on his great year, to get ready for 2020, what a just special person, special guy Marcus Simeon is. But first, when you think of one of the top executives this game has ever seen, well, they made a they they wrote a book about him and they made a movie about him. Billy Bean is a three-time Sporting News Executive of the Year. Two-time Baseball America Major League Executive of the Year. 2018 MLB Executive of the Year. 2012 MLB Executive of the Year. 2012 Greatness of Baseball Yearly Award. You name it, he's won it. And you're going to hear some stuff about the movie Moneyball and Billy Bean that you've never heard before. Here is Billy Bean. Well, I mentioned uh, fancy titles. I have a list of all the executives here and all the – they used to just be GMs when I started in this uh, business. It's now the executive vice president of baseball operations. Billy Bean is with us here at the winter meetings as a two San Diegans back That's at right. home. I was thinking about that. Your high school is just right over the – right around the corner here, not far from here. So in my little league's just right up the street at Mission Bay Little League. So – yeah, this is uh, hometown week for us. Hey, you're going to love this. So these guys that work uh, around the Padres, they came up here, and uh, they go, oh, yeah, you're from here. Yeah, what high school did you go to? And I said, oh, I went to Crawford. You should have seen the look on their faces. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dave Don. well, used to be, at, uh, the, as you know, producer of there was a lot of major league players from there in the yeah. 70s and the 60s. Bob Boone. Uh, Dave Duncan. Dave Duncan. Ed, Ed Herman. Was, uh, was there as well, but uh, the Crawford Colts were not quite the power as we got older, uh, Chris, as you know. As I was there, no, I didn't make in the major it leagues. The I don't Colts, know if you right? know that. Yeah, it the was Cro- the Colts. The yeah. Crawford Colts. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, it's nice to be home. So we had Dan O'Dowd. We're going to play him later on. We had him on today, 
and he was talking about how the meetings used to be, and he said that the two of you are, are kind of the guys that said, hey, you know what, maybe we should stay off-site because you got to come here and do all your media stuff, but why don't we stay off-site and we can really get some business done? Yeah, I started doing it about, uh, about 15 years ago. And, uh, and then a few other guys, Dan was, me and Dan are pretty good friends. And uh, we, I remember, we, in fact, we finished a Brett Anderson deal. It was nice. Uh, we were having breakfast together. There's nobody around. You could, you know, because there was a time, I remember we were in Dallas one time and, uh, at, at the hotel there. And it literally, like, I think at that time we might have either had a, we were pursuing a Japanese player. And you had people taking pictures, you know, while you're eating breakfast. I think I had yolk running down my chin <laughs> or something. So. Uh, but it just... I found it was much easier. A, the other thing from a lifestyle standpoint, I don't stay up late. And, um, you know, I usually come over during the work hours, walk back to my hotel, get a normal night's sleep. And, and again, me and Dan, you sometimes can do business much easier without sort of the distractions and do the, a lot of the media stuff, come over here to do the media stuff. So I got this list of, of all of you guys, and it's pretty amazing. You know, you were hired October 17th, 1997, and Brian Cashman – Hired February 3rd, 1998. You guys by far have been doing this the longest. I know you guys are very good friends. 23 yeah. years now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, what's funny, well, interesting about that is, you know, me and, as you said, we're really close friends. And, and my first trade as a GM, really, that's how me and Brian really became close, was Kenny Rogers. And Bob Watson at that time uh, was the general manager. We started, I had the initial conversation with Bob, a wonderful uh, man. And then we, uh, and then Brian did a lot of the financial stuff for him, and we were doing uh, uh, with Kenny that year. We we're getting half the salary paid, which was really uh, huge for us. And we ended up trading Brochus to him, who was a great Yankee and part of some of their championship runs. And it was it was really a good first trade for both teams, and one that uh, meant a lot to the franchises going after that. But that was the best part about it was me and Brian really became close friends, and to this day. I mean, I talked to him a couple days ago, and uh, he's still one of my closest friends in the game. So two weeks ago, my twins wanted to watch Moneyball. <laughs> and they could not believe, because they've known you since, since they yeah. were born, yeah. essentially. They could not believe that was you. Like, like I'm like, that's him. I know it's Brad Pitt, <laughs> but that's him. Like, my twins couldn't get their arms around. <laughs> you mean that guy that we know that the movie's about <laughs> And it literally, I had to pause the movie like every three minutes to explain what was going on. But it was just—it was a trip for them to go. To, do your twins ever? Because your twins are younger than mine. Do they ever go? Oh my God, that's about you. Well, you know, it's funny. We wouldn't let them watch it for uh, uh, for, for for a long time. You know, if, I don't know what for what reason. It still kind of creeped me out a little bit. Cause, cause, <laughs> yeah. Listen, what your twins say, I say the same thing too because. It's a pretty surreal experience, and I know the first uh, the first time I saw the final cut was actually at the Toronto Film Festival, I think it was, and uh, with an audience. And, you know, you're watching a regular movie, it's coming on, and all of a sudden you're, you hear your name. And it's just, it's a very weird feeling. So, uh, so they're right. I, I, I said the same thing they did. It, it doesn't, you're kind of, it's just very strange and, uh, uh, you know, thing to go through. But my, both my twin, my daughter was kept bugging us. She, she goes, I want to see Moneyball, I want to see Moneyball. We kept, no, no, you know. Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, they know Casey, their sister, older sister, and, oh, there's Casey and stuff in, in the movie. But uh, we've, they've only seen half of it. Yeah, so they still haven't seen the second half, and they're still bugging me. And may, mainly because uh, uh, I, I, I don't know why they haven't seen it, but at some point I think they will. And it's still, like you said, I think I need to get out 10 years before it's, even I can watch it again. 
Well, the thing is, like, with our kids is they're so used to reality TV. So if you're watching The, the Masked Singer or Survivor or Dancing with the Stars, they're used to the people on TV are, are who they are. So it's like when I was watching the movie with them, like, oh, yeah, I've interviewed all these people. That's Scott Hatterberg. Well, that's not exactly Scott Hatterberg. Yeah. That's an actor. Being Scott. Yeah. That, that's not Ron Washington. Like, yeah. they had a tough time going, wait a minute, that's not exactly the guy? I'm like, yeah. no, that's not exactly the guy. Yeah, no, it, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I will tell you one funny thing. Actually, the one, uh, so I haven't seen the whole movie since it came out, but it was two years ago in spring training. Uh, my family was back here because uh, kids were in school, so I was kind of going back and forth, and I got sick, really sick with the flu. I mean, where, like, Nick, our trainer, said, you know, you stay home, and yeah. I, which I don't get sick that often, and I'm just dying. I'm huddled up on the couch with a blanket, and I turn on the TV, and all of a sudden, money balls on. And, I, and I'm there by myself. And I go, ah, well, maybe I can watch it. Now I'm not squirming in my seat. So I started watching about 15, 20 minutes of it. And I realized this is going to be really creepy. If someone comes to my house now and sees me huddled up like on the, on the couch with a blanket, they're going to think the guy just sits like Elvis in his hotel room watching repeat, reruns of Moneyball. So I, go, I, gotta, it, I turned it off. I was like, yeah, this is kind of creepy. So, I, again, I haven't seen the whole, uh, whole movie since it came out in 11. So there's rumors out there right now. That there's a couple mystery teams out there for Garrett Cole. Can you confirm that the Athletics <laughs> are one of the mystery teams? Three hundred plus million dollars for Garrett Cole. Well, uh, we we always want to remain a mystery, so that's a question <laughs> I'm going to avoid. Uh, you, you know uh, I, what's interesting? You, know, you, you talked about the meetings and how they've changed a little bit, and I've said this a couple times since we've been here. Is you know one that's really cool is having the network. Is that you've just got it on in the background. It's it's it, it's it's great and. and uh, that's one of the great things that's happened since, you know, I've gone to the game, having the network that's just dedicated to baseball. Uh, but what, now the talk is just free agents. You know, there's not as much sort of trade conversation, which we, you know, had years ago. In fact, we used to physically meet with almost every team and either they go to their suite or they come to ours. Now the communication is still, we go by text or we'll call, uh, but there's very few face-to-face -face meetings and there's just not that many trade conversations. I mean, the, right now what seems to be dominating the, uh, you know, the, the network is uh, all free agent stuff, which is, well, listen, in fairness, there's some really good free agents out there this year. So, it, I mean, it's interesting, you know, for us, you know, to, to see this stuff too. But, you know, the guys you're talking about, the guys that the uh, TV's talking about are some really, really talented. This is one of the more interesting free agent classes in a long time. You know, I, I think about these meetings for, for you and your staff, how – you know, pretty much everything's kind of set. I mean, other than, like, second base and maybe another arm or so, I mean, you're pretty much – it's got to yeah. be nice going, all right, second base, but for the most part, you're ready to rock. No, you're, you're right, and, it, and uh, it does make for – like last year, we were trying to find an entire starting rotation. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, which, yeah, with not a lot of money to deal with. Uh, so, uh, so this year's much different, and uh, you hit it on the head. I mean, listen, when you graduate from GM Clash – the first thing they tell you, always tell them you're looking for an extra bullpen arm. So every one of us say that anyways, but we actually, you know, we could use probably another one. Uh, and somebody, we'd like one of the kids to get a lot of playing time at second, whether it be Mateo or Barreto. And we'd like to compliment him, you know, with a guy, maybe a guy who's left-handed, that would help. So, but you're right. We're pretty lucky that uh, we've got a lot of positions filled already. Now your right-handed hitters hit right-handed pitching. So I just, I mean, how much do you get into that we're just too right-handed, or are you like, well, you know what, our righties do hit righties. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, listen, it's always going to play every day against lefties. Chappie's going to play every day against righties. So, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, you, you, 
There are some right-handers who are extremely tough on right-handed hitters. So you like to have the, the option to have a left-handed compliment to maybe for a couple guys. But, you know, when it comes to Chappie and, you know, even Loriano and, and Piscotti, when they're out there, they're going to play, you know, and, and righty or lefty. So it is nice. Uh, but, again, you do like to have some balance because there are some right-handers that are extremely tough, even on good right-handed hitters, and you'd like to be able to counter that. So the big news here at the meetings, you think it would be Strasburg, you think it would be Cole, Rendon. It's actually been your fantasy football team has been one of the big stories here. You really took Kyler Murray as your quarterback? No, I, I actually I let Pike. Pike in the, came out of the shoot. We have, uh, we have the draft every, in, in, you know, right? we, we've been having this. Leo Farhan used to be the commissioner. Right, but we had to find a new commissioner. Now Ben's the commissioner, <laughs> and uh, they has to be somewhat tech savvy too. To be able to. So Pike came out of the shoot and spent a lot of his his money on on Kyler, right? Which okay, so I let him go out and spend the money. Then after the first week, you know, Kyler had a rough debut, and then that's when I traded for him when he was an undervalued guy, which is what we do here. Yes. So, <laughs> and uh, and I texted Kyler, let him know he's on my team. So uh, and he was fired up so uh so yeah well, I, i'm gonna keep drafting him <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what's the name of your team uh here for the right reasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little reality tv bachelor uh yeah, yeah. I, 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 I used to be the pete carroll project because i'm a big usc yes, fan yes, right yes. and then someone got in there and hacked mine and they changed the name and i won't tell you what they changed it to can and we I, get can, you, can we get pete back at usc <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it was the Pete Carroll project, and then this year uh, my uh, my mascot is Pennywise the clown, the murderous clown, <laughs> and uh, and I've got uh, and it's here for the right reasons, the name of my team. So uh, Farhan used to have some uh, good names and good uh, uh, avatars that he'd put up there every year. He yeah, funny. he was walking by. We tried to get him on earlier. He's like, I, I got to go to a meeting. He's, yeah, he's he, funny. He's got he's got a lot going on over there. Yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. He's smart man. Well, we always appreciate the time. We know you got a busy schedule. You're the best. And uh, enjoy San Diego. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, you got the Rule 5 draft. You can't leave yet. You got the Rule V. Yeah, the Rule V. Yeah. That's going to be interesting with the extra roster spot. You know, you make a good point. You keep, I keep forgetting, you know, and uh, it, it is. I think teams will be more aggressive with the extra roster spot in the Rule 5. So, uh, so yeah, it's a different dynamic here with, it, with that. And, uh, uh, again, I keep I keep reminding. I think we all keep reminding. Yeah. we've got another roster spot. So we've uh, got our relievers got to face three straight guys. I mean, we got some. Well, that one, they, I don't think they've. Uh, that one's not for sure yet. I think it's still. You know, we're, we're not sure where that one's going. I I hope we don't. I I don't like anything that limits our flexibility. To be honest with you, so I personally hope that that rule doesn't come into play. Well, enjoy the rest of the meetings. You're the best, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. All right, Chris. Good talking to you, bud. Always love having Billy on. Oh, we always have a lot of fun. He's a great guy and obviously one of the top executives of all time. Well, the man who gave Billy the reins, also one of the top executives of all time, as a 1989 World Series champion, a three-time American League champion. Also what he did for the Mets, getting them to the World Series, 2015 Baseball America Executive of the Year Award. The great Sandy Alderson also joined us from the Manchester Hyatt. Sandy, thank you so much for taking the time down here in San Diego at the winter meetings. How's life treating you? Uh, very well. It's it's hard not to treat oneself well when you're in San Diego and the sun's out and it's about 70 degrees. And uh, Now, Oakland's nice, but uh, I'm used to New York weather and other places, so <laughs> this is a treat. You know, off the air, right before we did this, we were talking about your first winter meetings. Honolulu? I think it was Hawaii? Honolulu, yeah, yeah, crazy. 
Um, I'm not sure why anybody would have uh, spent the money to travel there or <laughs> thought that most people would, but it was a lot of fun. We didn't spend that much time out. I don't recall any beach time, but uh, um, if if that was the one I'm thinking of, uh, we made a deal that year. Um, no, I think this was 82. We traded Tony Armas for Carney Lansford, and Lansford was one of the cornerstones of the uh, late 80s uh, A's World Series team. So, anyway, um, it was eventful. Well, you know, everything changes, right? And we see it from, you know, leading up to the Super Bowl, what it used to be to what it is now. I think the winter meetings, everybody getting together. Yeah. Just how different is it now where there's thousands of people in this hotel walking around? What was it like back then versus what it is today? Well, I think it was much smaller. First of all, you didn't have the extensive media that you do today uh, with all of the various outlets. There was no MLB network. Yeah. Uh, there was hardly any really television coverage. My guess is there wasn't much in the way of radio either, so it was mostly print journalism. Um, so a smaller media contingent. Um, given the fact we were flying to Honolulu or some other place, uh, similarly removed probably smaller contingents um, uh, from clubs, you know, not nearly as many people. I don't remember us having more than four or five or so uh, in those early years. And then the other thing is uh, there are so many people here now looking for jobs, and, uh, you know, the, the industry has really opened up to uh, less traditional um, uh, sources of, of uh, executives and, and uh, you know, various types of employees. So the the number of people around here is just uh, exponentially bigger. What do you think about a pitcher getting $324 million? <laughs> well, here's the other, the other interesting thing. Ten years ago today or ten years ago was the um, winter meetings when Alex Rodriguez signed his 10-year deal for 250 and Mike Hampton signed a deal for 135 and my role at the time was to, at the commissioner's office, one of them was uh, sort of self, self-appointed to decry these types of deals, to just, you know, throw up my hands and scream and say, <laughs> this is crazy, what have you. Um, we've become more used to these now, um, and not necessarily in baseball, but in basketball, uh, for example. In fact, I think I referred to it at that time as the NBAization of Major League Baseball with these crazy long-term contracts. Um, I think those contracts are still crazy. Um, some of them turn out really well. Um, you know, Max Scherzer uh, strikes me as a long-term deal that's really turned out well. But most of them, uh, they go in the tank. And that's not to say that these players won't succeed, but nine years is a long time. Seven years is a long time. Uh, 40 years old is, uh, you know, fairly uh, old for a major league player. If there's anything that I think governs baseball decision-making today, it's what people call the aging curve. You know, just because you were great at 28 doesn't mean you're going to be great at 32. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they're both are outstanding players, no question about that. And uh, um, on the other hand, you know, I've signed a few long-term contracts, not that many. Most of them haven't turned out all that well. <laughs> so It's the price of doing business. That's the only thing. And, and you know, for you, 
We talk so much about data and analytics. Uh-huh. You were doing it in the 80s. Right. When, when did it really start, and what was it like then? Well, we started doing it, um, <clears throat> I'm going to say, 83, 84, when I took over as general manager. Uh, I didn't have a, uh, an extensive baseball background, kind of searching around for a way to approach these decisions and valuations of players and so forth and uh, stumbled across Bill James and a couple of other people, heard a guy on the radio talking about it, uh, public radio. Um, so we hired somebody. We had we kept it quiet. You know, he was in the, in the back room, not full time. Uh, so it was, um, you know, we were doing it uh, on the down low. Uh, but some of our early decisions were definitely uh, impacted by it. Uh, when we drafted Mark McGuire, basically it was on base, on base and power. That was, you know, that's kind of the money ball theory, at least as embodied in the book. That's why we drafted him. Um, <coughs> David Henderson, um, our center fielder, um, decided then that uh, we were going to emphasize a little more offense over defense. Which is kind of a was kind of a mainstay for a long time, but the real difference between then and now is that most of this stuff was theoretical. There wasn't as much data available as there is today. I mean, we had trouble even uh, coming up with what I'd call park neutral or league neutral numbers. So if you had a Double A player in Midland and you're trying to compare them to a Double A player in you know Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, how do you balance those numbers out? So it was very early on, uh, and there wasn't a lot of data that existed. Uh, in fact, the data wasn't compiled until a few years later when a company called Stats Inc. started mm. hiring people just to watch games on satellite, satellite TV and write things down, again, somewhat subjective. And, of course, now today there's an explosion. There's everything. Um, and... Uh, so it's, you know, today we're inundated with data and you have to sort through it. In those days, there was very little data and you had to really seek it out and try to find it. I'm thinking about AAA this year. 2,000 more home runs. Hold on. We had 2,000 more home runs than the yeah, record. Right. Like, how do you look at someone in Las Vegas playing with Juice Ball, Juice Park? How do you, how do you know what's real and what's not? Well... Um, now, keep in mind, I was with the Mets for eight years, and for about five or six of those, we were in Las Vegas. So last year, you know, wasn't my first exposure to Vegas. In fact, we, we opened one year major league season in Las Vegas uh, uh, when, the, when um, the Raiders ballpark was being reconstructed and, um, you know, Mount Davis and so forth. But anyway... Um, I think what you have to do is, you know, you have to take the specific um, statistics with a grain of salt. But there is something to be learned by comparison. So somebody's got 30 home runs and somebody's got 10. It tells you a little bit. Um, uh, you have to look at hitters a little bit differently than you look at um, pitchers. But look, if, some, if a pitcher does really well at Las Vegas, that's a good sign. Now, not that many do, uh, <laughs> but it's you know it's a, it's a way of sorting through uh, a lot of a lot of different um, statistics on hitters. I always felt, look, I know their numbers are going to be inflated. One thing I can count on when they come to New, when they came to New York, 
um, they're going to they're going to have a lot of confidence. So just that mental state uh, would be you know a positive thing. So um, you kind of have to ignore uh, you know the specific stats and stuff, but um, but I think you, if you if you bore down a little um, in, into the into uh, what's going on, um, it's not that difficult to sort it out. When you go back to 1988 and leading up to 1988, when did you go? We got something special here. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, I thought we had something developing as early as '86. Uh, that's when we got Tony La Russa as the manager. And um, that was probably, you know, the high note of that season. We had some young players coming up, though, through the system. Jose Canseco was on the team at that time. We had Mark McGuire in the minor leagues. We had a tremendous uh, farm system at that time, particularly in double in, uh, A, where we had probably seven or eight future major league players. So we had a you know feel that we were kind of headed in the right direction. But I don't think it was until 87. We broke even in 87. I think we were 81 and 81. And we made some deals at the end of that season, um, not to try and get us in the playoffs, but just to set us up for the following year. Um, we acquired uh, a guy named Storm Davis, who ended up winning a lot of games for us uh, in the next two or three years. And... Um, um, Ended up getting some relief pitching. Uh, Gene Nelson, who was another part of that bullpen. Um, so we were kind of setting ourselves up for 88, and then 88 was was a pretty good year and uh, until the first game of the World Series when Kirk Gibson went deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was a gradual thing, but you're never quite sure. You never know where things are going to go. It's a day-to-day proposition for the most part. And I think in 89 – what was the conversation like with the Yankees? And you're thinking, oh, my God, I can get Ricky Henderson back. Yeah, that was, that was uh, you know, the guy we had hitting leadoff in 88 was a guy named Louis Polonia, uh, who was a pretty good player, but not, not Ricky Henderson. And we'd always kept our ear to the ground with Ricky. Ricky, in those days, you know, had a, had a way of wearing out his welcome. <laughs> and, uh, and he was, I don't know, three years or so into a five-year deal. And so... Um, we had a chance to get him back. They were looking to move him, and um, I was really happy we were able to get him back. Uh, it, it wasn't a consensus within the organization to bring really? him back. Really? No. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, my attitude was, what the hell? You're going to, you know, <clears throat> had a chance to get this guy back. And uh, I remember concluding that deal uh, on the phone in a phone booth. Um, in uh, Marin County, which, you know, fo- first of all, phone booths don't exist anymore. Yeah, some of the audience uh, are like, what's a phone booth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you so mean you weren't on your cell phone? Didn't have a cell phone at the time. I'm not even sure when I got a – I think my first cell phone was about a foot long, and it was attached in the car. It was in the car. You couldn't carry it around. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, that was, a, that, was a, that was a deal done on a, at a phone booth at a gas station. <laughs> that's why and then right after that is when we started to see the four million dollar a year guy yeah you know, Canseco's getting paid Kirby Puckett Ricky Henderson yeah. Will Clark like that's when we started to see the explosion of these million dollar contracts you know what happened in those uh, if you go back and look um, the primary driver was cable television 
That's if you if you go back and look at the rise of regional sports networks. That's about the time the the 90s is when um, those began to uh, be formed, and that's where the revenue uh, generation really started to uh, diverge from club to club. And so, um, to me, that gave rise to the Yankee teams of you know the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Basically, I mean, they did some great things, but it was fueled by uh, regional sports network money. Yeah, because at one point you had one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Yeah, I think after the 90 World Series, you know, we made an effort uh, to try and keep the team together. That was one of the things about the Haas family. One of the things about me, it's probably a flaw. I, f- I fall in love with players. You know, I'd like <laughs> it was. It was pretty intoxicating to be around the guys that we had, their big personalities. You how had good rock they were. stars. Your team oh, was absolutely. full of rock stars. Uh, absolutely. It was like a, it was like a uh, traveling, you know, it was like a rock tour. And we loved to go to a visiting club. I loved going to visiting, you know, being the visitors and going to these other ballparks and kicking the hell out of these teams and then walking out feeling like. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember walking out of Fenway one night. I don't know, it was a playoff game or what have you, just the greatest feeling that we had just beaten these guys and and we knew not only we'd beaten them but they hated us because they you know they hated uh the ricky persona they didn't like eckersley and his annex they didn't you know dave stewart who the heck was he he's you know, some guy that comes in brooding all the time conseco what a wild man mcguire you know it was like dave parker um yeah it was uh it was a cast isn't it great that this team is now getting its due? Because, you know, because of the earthquake, you didn't have the parade and everything, and now we're truly celebrating the 1989 team like we should. Well, I, you know, I certainly appreciated being back last year and celebrating the 30th anniversary or, or whatever it was. You know, it was interesting um, thinking at the time with the earthquake and the delay in between games two and three uh, and a lot of talk about um, – how sensitive we should be to the community and for all of the damage and loss of life and injury and so forth. And um, we were, I think, sensitive to that. But at the same time, uh, I remember myself and talking to Wally Haas, you know, 30 years from now, um, people are going to remember whether we won or lost. And we need to go win for the city of Oakland and the East Bay. And uh, this wasn't just any series. It was a series against the Giants. And so, um, I don't know if you recall, but we actually left the Bay Area and went yeah. down to Phoenix to play a game because we were serious about winning. And it wasn't because we were insensitive uh, to what was going on around us, but felt an obligation and a responsibility um, that notwithstanding what had happened, um, our obligation to the community and to the fans was to do do everything we could within reason to try and win the series. And even though we were up 2-0, it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel like we were uh, that close to winning. And plenty of teams have gone up 2-0 and lost. Uh, now, we've gone down to 0-2 and never come back. But, uh, um, you know, in this particular case, we wanted to make sure that we did what we could to ensure that people would have some positive memory uh, of that event, at least people in the East Bay. What's it like for you to be back now 
and to be back with Billy and David and giving your advice, I think it's got to be special for you to be back. Yeah, it's been fun. It really has been. Uh, I've, you know, they're beyond Billy. Um, there are a number of other people that were here when when uh, I was first here. Uh, Keith Lippman, among them, who's you know been with the team for 50 years, uh, but lots of others too. Uh, Dave Renetti, who runs the stadium, was a kid. I think he was a high school kid. Yeah, he was uh, like 18 years old. Yeah, when uh, when I started. So uh, it's been fun in that regard. But, you know, the organization has a lot of quality people. It's an exciting time because of the stadium initiative. Uh, Dave Cavill's done a great job of creating some momentum there. Uh, but, hey, Team One has won 97 games two years in a row. So my voice, uh, I try to keep it. Low and infrequently heard because uh, I don't want to screw anything up. All right, we got to take you back to 1996. Tori Lavello, who is now the skipper for yeah. the Diamondbacks, we had him on yesterday. Oh, okay. And he was telling the story about he's in Toronto, and I can't remember who took him to lunch. It was his birthday. And then Art Howe called him in that night of his birthday to tell him he was sent down. Oh, really? <laughs> he was telling us that story yesterday. Do you remember that? Well, I, I wasn't there, I, I don't think. I, I don't uh, recall having been in Toronto. If I had been, I would have talked to him myself. But, um, um, you know, that happens from time to time. Uh, and when you're around long enough, you make a few mistakes, and maybe that was one. But uh, He said he said it was a great learning experience, yeah. and it's really helped him as a manager. Yeah. Well, Tori, you know, Tori's done a great job. I mean, he, he's here because of a of, – um, all of those experience uh, experiences aggregating into you know an, an attitude, a point of view, and uh, leadership abilities and the like. So, uh, and he's been he's been great for Arizona. Let's end on this because he made a good point yesterday because he kept saying, you know, we're like the A's, and I start thinking, okay, because I, I usually think of the A's, it's like the A's and the Rays, right? Uh-huh. But you know, there's more teams like the A's than I think we think about in baseball. Not everybody can have a $200 million payroll. Not everybody can pay 324 for a pitcher. Yeah. There's more teams like the A's now in modern-day baseball than I think, as A's fans, I think we think we're like one of the few. I think there's more like us than we think. You no, know, I think you're right. I think it's a very good point. Um, and I think that when you understand that, that there's a whole large group of clubs in that category, it puts the A's success into better perspective. Because not all those teams are winning 97 games a year. Um, and not all of those teams have tanked the way some have uh, to get even further than, than uh, uh, they would have. And, you know, the A's try to put a, a good team on the field every year. And uh, I can't recall a year when the A's have said, look, we're going to punt. Wow. Uh, now, maybe, um, you know, not signing this, con- th- this deal or that deal um, – uh, suggest to people that you know they're not motivated, but Billy and Dave and those guys have done a tremendous job, and you know really where they've done uh, really well is in these secondary secondary level free agent signings, where you're adding and supplementing the team as opposed to trying to to uh, really add a major component, and then the trades that these guys have made. I, we we look. I looked uh, last year at the trades that have been made over the last. I don't know, five or six years. It's incredible what kind of value the A's have gotten back in in uh, the trades that they've made over the last few years, and mostly trading older guys for younger guys. But 
that sounds like a good strategy, but you got to be right on the younger guys. You got to be right on the older guys. You got to be right on the younger guys. It's hard to be right most of the time, but amazingly, the A's have been able to do that. Um, and you know, the other thing that comes from being a, an A's type team is there's a certain discipline associated with it. You're not even tempted to do certain things, and and the things you're not tempted to do are the ones that are appealing uh, from an emotional standpoint or from a fan standpoint, but in reality have a very small chance of being successful. You know, it's like signing a nine-year deal. It's it's like drawing to an inside straight. It can happen, but doesn't usually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if you're counting cards. So, uh, so anyway. Uh, the A's, A's really, and I'm I'm pleased that I'm part of it. And I love, uh, you know, Bob Melvin. Um, I was with the team a little bit on the road last year, and uh, really enjoyed being with him and his staff. Um, minor league, you know, I've known Keith for a long time, but Ed Sprague is terrific. Uh, really enjoyed um, talking with him. So uh, I'm excited about the second year. I spent a lot of time last year just uh, observing, keeping my mouth shut, and. Uh, which is how I approached my first few years in baseball, just uh, trying to get acclimated. But this year I'll probably be a little more of a loudmouth than I was last year. Did you have any idea Billy Bean was going to be what he is today? Uh, no, but, I, you know, I liked the raw material. Um, you know, what I liked about Billy was uh, what I like about most people um, in, in – uh, organizations people that are curious and they're enthusiastic they're passionate and that's that was billy and spades i mean you could just point him in the right direction and uh he was off you know billy was a used car salesman in the off season when he was a player and i said to myself hey that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) follow up those cold calls and uh you know be uh all over people uh to make the sale and um in fact, he was he was the reason there was a period there where we we just weren't signing what are six-year free agents today. It was kind of a new thing, six-year free agents. And uh, um, Billy was really successful uh, getting us uh, and, you know, to go back and talk about some of the guys that were nice players for a year or two. Uh, Billy usually was able to sign those guys. And uh, it wasn't all, you know, there was scouting going on around him, but it was the gift of gab. So Billy's a really smart guy, very personable, and um, like I said, uh, has been successful selling you a 1987 Chevy. <laughs> he was in training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Sandy, thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of uh, the meetings here in San Diego. Oh, will do. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. It was really cool sitting down with Sandy that long, right? How about talking about Billy Bean being a used car salesman? (laughs) He's awesome. Sandy is great, and it's great to have him. I mean, you think about his life, the military, law school. He's living an incredible life. Has beaten cancer. It's always an honor to have on the great Sandy Alderson. And up next... Marcus Simeon. What can you say about Marcus? The year that he had last year was so special. Finished third in the American League MVP balloting. I mean, he's as good. A, he's a better guy off the field than he is on the field, and that says a lot. And here's our conversation from the winter meetings with your shortstop, Marcus Simeon.
Marcus Simeon, so humble, is not going to say anything about that. And it's uh, great to have him here. And uh, how about this little San Diego winter meetings? This doesn't suck. No, this is my first time here. Last time it was in San Diego, I got traded to Oakland. So I think those are two great things. Um, but we're having a good time. What's it like being in this building after the year that you had and you finished third in the MVP ballot? Bob Melvin thinks you were actually slighted. Uh, but what's it been like walking around? Because, like, Marcus Simeon, you, you've turned into this this unbelievable player, and I'm sure the respect has just been a lot of fun. It's been great. You know, I just want to get better every year. So whatever you know, happened that you know, 2019 season, what can we do to get better? Uh, I think that's all of our mindsets, especially from the, the position player side. Uh, we've got guys who are hungry and we want to have better years than we had. How do you get better? How do you have a better year than the year you had? Well, that, I mean, I, I want to, you know, run the bases better. I think there's, I, you know, a lot of runs scored, but there was more left out there on the table I could have had. Um, you know, coming up big in clutch situation, that's a thing that, you know, we have guys who do it great, and I want to pick their brains a little bit. How can we, you know, do better in those at-bats too? You know, I think about the division, and so much right now is about Garrett Cole. That's a big talk as Strasburg went around and, you know, met with some people, but in the end he wanted to stay home and he wanted to stay with the Nationals. And it's now all about Cole. Is, is he going to Anaheim? Is he going to New York? And I brought this up with John Morosi. He didn't like it, but all of a sudden it's now coming out there that there's some mystery teams out there, and one of them is the Houston Astros. Kind of fascinating to watch this player. You know how dominant he is, you know how tough he is to hit, to see where he is going to end up. Even the Dodgers could be in play. Yeah, I mean – Wherever he goes, I'm sure we'll see him along the way. and um, I'll be watching video on him, just studying him more and just trying to you know, do well against him. But I'm happy for him. He's going to do great in free agency, and um, I'm happy for everybody who's got deals. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we're all pro players. You know, we know these owners got a ton of money. We know these guys. They're showing us how much money they have, right? When you start signing guys for 245 and 300, Rendon hasn't signed yet. He's going to make a ton of money. It just shows the sport is really healthy. And as a guy that plays in the sport, that's great to see. Yeah, it's great. You know, I think everybody who, you know, does what they do every day and does it well, I think they deserve to get you know, paid for it. I know some teams may think, well, what if he doesn't do this in the future? Well, you, you need to do your homework on that guy to see how hard he works. Uh, I know in Oakland we have a lot of guys who work extremely hard and have the potential to, to go off. And I think that, I, you know, for me, it, it just took figuring out a couple different things and um, staying with it. And now that this offseason I can do that and work on those things. So on game day, you're, you're, you're taking on Garrett Cole. Take us through that process, video, what you're thinking about mentally, how you get ready for it, and then just how tough was it to face him? Well, he's got the best fastball in the game. So anytime you have a, a four-seam fastball that, you know, you see it, but you, you swing at it and you foul it off, and you, you really have to try and you know, get above it, get on top of it just to hit it on the line. And when you have two other plus, you know, breaking pitches to go with it, that's why he's the best, one of the best in the game. So, um you know, every at bat's different. He's smart. He has you know smart coaches with a good plan, and you have to try and dissect it every at bat. So Bob said earlier today, like once we get past Christmas, it's like spring training. Before you know it, it's time. Like like, are, are you itching already? I know a lot of the A's fans are itching after back to back ninety seven wins. We're all really excited about twenty twenty. When do you start getting excited for the season? 
Uh, I'm excited right now. I mean, uh, you train every day. You train hard to, to stay on the field and get your body strong. But once once you get into December, the baseball activity starts up again. Uh, you, you hit. You know, you eventually get out there and take some ground balls and just get in baseball shape for spring training. And once spring's gone, it's, you know, it's going to come up quick on us. Yeah, it's crazy. Yesteryear, players went to spring training just to get in shape. Now you get in shape just to get ready for spring training. It's just it's so different from yesteryear to what you are. I mean, you want to be – are you raring to go? Like, you want to be raring to go as soon as you step in there? Oh, yeah, I think that's important. Um, you know, you try and get around 100 at-bats, maybe less, you know, in spring training, but you you need to be confident going into the season. So I think that you know, there's been guys who haven't had great springs that have MVP years and vice versa, but – uh, for me, I want that confidence going, you know, right towards the end of the season to get better. How much do you talk to your teammates in the off season? Uh, probably every day. I mean, we have a group text, uh, group chat that we we talk, and we just a lot of it's funny stuff. But I think that's important, uh, just to keep in touch and uh, check on everybody and see what they're doing, see what they're working on. Um, you know, and as you get to spring, of course, you're there with each other, and you know, it's it's the best feeling. You know, I, I've talked about one of the really good things about the A's this winter meetings is that they're boring. And when you're boring, it means you don't have to do a lot. Like when we were talking to Billy Bean earlier today, it's like, okay, you're going to decide second base and maybe another arm or two. But how nice is that? Because Billy was talking about last year, he's trying to find five starting pitchers. Now that's not the case. I mean, you guys are pretty set. That's a nice thing at this time of year. Yeah, it is. I think that you always you always need reinforcements. Um you know, you want everybody to stay healthy, but the facts are that just that doesn't happen for every team. So um, we'll see what they do. Um, second base, you know, we have capable guys, but there's guys out there on the market. So we don't know what they're going to do yet. Um, but anybody who comes to our team, we welcome with open arms and we're, we'll be excited to have them. You know, Franklin Barreto had a really good spring last year. And I think when he was sent down, it really affected him mentally. Uh, what have you seen in him? And do you think he can be an everyday guy at second base? Uh, definitely, I think he has it in him. It's just the the consistency and the confidence. Um, he 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 does it every year in the minor leagues when he gets the at bat. So, um, you know, this level's different. There's a book on you. They're, they they know they they think they know what they have to throw to you to get you out every time. And until you figure that out as a player, they probably will do well against you. So it took me a while to uh, figure that out. And it changes once you, you know, once you get them a couple times too. So he's still in the process of working on that. And uh, for me, I want to help him as much as I can. That's the crazy thing. From the moment you step in this game to the moment you're done, there's always the adjustments, your side versus the other side. Like, do you start to notice, do you start to notice that like all of a sudden the adjustments that are being made against you from the other teams and, and you see how it gets different throughout the years? Oh, 100%. Uh, for me, I tried. I want new information now. Like We have a lot of guys who work in our front office that crunch a lot of numbers, and as a player, I want to know what they're throwing me and what are the trends, um, and that way you can adjust to that. And some, You can't have the same approach every day going into a big league game because everybody's different. Uh, you got soft lefties, hard-throwing righties, hard-throwing bullpen guys. Uh, you have to, you know, know how to attack each pitch. Yeah, that's a, you know, it depends on the guy like Coco. Coco will come on and go, hey, man, see ball, hit ball. I don't want any information. And then now I think more the modern-day player, not saying Coco's that old, 
you need to use this data because it's like it's it's so there. And every guy's different. Everybody's going to process it different. But you need to use it because it's so useful for you as a player. No, 100%. Coco, that worked for him. He had a great career. That worked for some guys. For me, not so much. I need to know who I'm facing. I need to know him like the back of my hand. And I'll still still maybe go up there and strike out, but at least I knew what he had. Um, that's important for me, and a lot of times it'll work in my favor. Yeah, it's the preparation every day that makes you have a year like you had. I appreciate it. No, thank you. And so Susan Slesser was on with us earlier today, and I said this. I said... There's a guy right now who's a leader in your clubhouse, by example. You're a leader there because of who you are as a person and as a player. And for everybody talking about this new stadium and talking about all this new stuff, I mean, when you have a guy who's local, when you have a guy that wants to be here and probably finish his career here, you need to take care of him. And Susan said probably the most essential thing going on right now for the athletics is to get you a contract extension. And I think that means the world that – Everybody around the A's, your teammates, the media, the manager, everybody understands that. That's got to make you feel good. No, that's great to hear. I appreciate that. Um, you know, for me, all I can do is focus on playing and getting better. And, um, you know, this year wouldn't have happened without me having the focus of getting better and better. And I'm excited for this year. But um, in terms of the business side, we, we will see. Um, we know All we know is this year is here in the arbitration process and, um, the A's are, you know, Billy and David are pretty busy right now trying to find us some guys. So I'm sure that, you know, we'll talk soon. Well, just let you know, everybody wants you here for a long, long time. <laughs> As I'm pointing at his beautiful wife, we want you here for a long, long time. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Enjoy San Diego. It's a great time, the winter meetings. And uh, have a great Christmas. Have a great New Year. I'm sure we'll talk to you before the start of spring training. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time because it's going to be another good year. I appreciate it. You know, that might be the first all-A's edition of A's Unfiltered. But we hope you enjoyed Billy Bean, Sandy Ellerson, and Marcus Simeon. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.